Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, our hosts look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words. Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do. But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name is Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to disentangle you from the Gordian knot of the Internet's bullshit. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for our listening audience, that oh, hello is none other than our fantastic editor and sometimes co-host Ian Malden. How is it going? I have done this before. <laughs> <laughs> Not only have you done this before, this show before, but you have your own show that you regularly do. And you mm-hmm. also edit multiple other shows, which means not only do you have the experience of doing it yourself, but you've seen many other presumably competent people doing it. And by competent people, I mean people other than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. You're among the most confident, um, competent. I, uh... I was going to say, yes, yes I am <laughs> <Yeah>, very confident. <laughs> Confidence and confidence, although often mistaken for one another, are not the same thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I uh, I, I am a podcaster, and I know how to podcast, and I'm here to do it with you, Ryan. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for agreeing to come on the show. I mean, and you hear more of the show than most people, so I'm surprised that you're still willing to subject yourself to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's awesome. I enjoy the show immensely, and uh, so does your audience. Shout out to them. Yes, all of you. All of you currently listening to this podcast by hook or by crook have become my audience. <laughs> but uh, there, there's got to be a good transition to uh, to Burning Man here. <laughs> it's not a transition to that, but I've got something I want to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> R.I.P. Jimmy Buffett. Oh, my God. You know what? My heart goes out to uh, not not just you, but the entire Shrimp and Crits family. Yeah. Uh, I feel like half of Golakochika's identity was cribbed from a Jimmy Buffett song. <laughs> it's funny that people reach out to us because the Adventure Zone, well, on their other show, My yeah. Brother, My Brother and Me, talk frequently about Jimmy Buffett. They mm-hmm. played games with Jimmy Buffett. They were in the front row of the premiere of Margaritaville <laughs> on Broadway, <laughs> as I recall. So I feel like it's a giant slap in the face to them that anyone would reach out to us <laughs> about Jimmy Buffett. Well, no, it's <laughs> not, though. It, what I, I think what it speaks to is accessibility. I think uh, the the brothers McElroy are at a level in this game that it does not behoove them to answer fan messages, except in True. very specific formats, True. which makes them hard to reach out to. You know, they they suffer the they suffer from the same thing that gets most people when they when they make it big, which is an inability to interact in the same intimate way with mm-hmm. their fans that they did when they first started out. Which I think is part of why people come to podcasts as a medium because mm-hmm. the creators are very accessible. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just, they're saying that he died peacefully of natural causes, but, you know, some would claim that there's a woman to blame. So I just hope that <laughs> they bring the true culprit to justice. <laughs> you don't you don't think it was all those cheeseburgers and, and margaritas he was drinking and eating in paradise? You don't think that maybe his diet... No, Jimmy Buffett. Because at no point did Jimmy Buffett eat a tropical salad. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, but Jimmy Buffett has access to the best medical care on the coast of Florida that <laughs> <laughs> that can be offered. I mean, good luck finding an obstetrician in a red state these days, but I don't think Jimmy Buffett was needing one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. By all accounts, he's a great guy. So it is it is sad to see him go. And, uh, you know. Ryan and Katie and and our and, and Shrimp and Crits, my co-hosts, are are very big fans. They they actually were very sad, um, which I was. I'm sad, but like yeah. I, don't really, I don't know. People die. I don't know. People die. Pe- people people who I've never met die. Yeah, right, right. And while that can be sad, there is a limit to the amount of sadness that I'm willing to expend on a complete and total stranger. Agreed. Rest in paradise, Jimmy. Speaking of mourning total strangers, there are quite a few people very unhappy recently uh, as Burning Man. Uh, I'm familiar with the the concept of Burning Man. It's like Mad Max for hippies. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But apparently it's never (laughs) rained before there. So uh, (laughs) there was a death at Burning Man investigated as rain-soaked festival asks attendees to shelter in place. Movement into Black Rock City has been halted. The airport is closed, according to organizers. No additional information was provided about the death, but people have been asked to ration. They cannot leave this desert island. They're like, please do not smoke all of your weed. Just smoke (laughs) some of your weed. It feels very, I mean, obviously Burning Man is a long storied music festival. It's existed for a very long time. And it's always been successful and enjoyed by the people who go there. Uh, they burn a giant effigy at the end of it. It's uh, sounds nothing very, weird about that at all. No, nothing weird about it. But it does feel like kind of like a fire festival situation where it's like, how bad am I willing to feel for these very wealthy people at a festival <laughs> in the middle of the fucking desert? Uh, so here's what I'm going to say. Like, obviously, the comparisons to Fire Festival are they're just right there. It's within reach. It's low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to hit them with that because, one, it's never rained there before. And, <laughs> and, and in defense of the Burning Man people, the, the organizers, they did plan an event that succeed that that would have otherwise succeeded as an event, mm-hmm. whereas Fire Festival they did nothing. It could not succeed under ideal circumstances as an event. So I think it is a little bit of an unfair comparison. Oh, got, for sure. For sure. They got they got a once in a century rainstorm dumped on top of them and it turned the entire desert to mud. And presumably people sank into that mud and succumbed to the horrors that really we, we could only imagine through the 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 the, the incredible work of Toby McGuire in Spider-Man 3. <laughs> He fought the guy from Wings who was actually just dirt and mud. Oh, the guy from Sideways, too, right? Yeah, he's also in Sideways. Which is one of my favorite movies to watch on a plane. I'm not drinking fucking Merlot! (laughs) (laughs) That will stay with me always. (laughs) For sure. That that movie is kind of character-defining because it's Paul Giamatti in his prime. Yeah, right. Like... Because, and let's be real, Paul Giamatti has always looked like that and always will look like that. He looks exactly the same now as he did when he made Sideways 25 years ago, which is to say (laughs) (laughs) mid-50s. Yeah, he doesn't, he's not somebody that I ever think of as in his his prime. (laughs) He skipped that somehow. He perpetually, his prime was just a flash in the pan. It was just like a, it's like a quantum event. It was just like prime, not prime. That's it. 
Oh, jeez. Like, the half-life for Paul Giamatti's prime was, like, a millisecond. <laughs> like, he, he lost whatever radioactive isotope makes a young person cool very quickly. <laughs> but you know what? He was incredible in that movie. He's incredible in pretty much everything. Paul Giamatti is a legitimately great American actor. Oh, yeah. And there is something to be said for somebody who, obviously, he missed the prime. However, he's one of those people that looks exactly the same now as he did 25 years ago. And sure, he didn't look great, but he doesn't look any worse. (laughs) There's a lot of people that you remember seeing 25 years ago and you look at him now and you're like, oh, my God, are you okay, Val Kilmer? And the answer is no. He's had a lot of throat cancer and a lot of terrible shits happened to him. So don't. When I'm holding Val Kilmer up as an example of what not to aspire to in 25 years, I'm not making any sort of judgment statement about Val Kilmer himself. He seems like a honestly kind of a kind of a really cool laid back dude who has been dealt some setbacks in life. But you know what? After you played Batman, (laughs) what else is there? You've made it. (laughs) All I'm saying is that when he showed up on screen in the Top Gun sequel, (laughs) I cried. I cried real tears, Ryan. <laughs> I haven't watched the Top Gun sequel yet because I, I, I kind of want to go back and review the original. Oh, so that man. way I can truly appreciate the relationship between Maverick and Goose's son, who I assume is named Duck. <laughs> Facts. I mean, he's no Goose. He's one of many ducks. <laughs> Hysterical. Uh, I actually watched Top Gun for the first time uh, moments before leaving for the theater to see the Top Gun sequel. Did you watch it at 1.5 speed so you could get it all done really quickly? <laughs> God, I honestly, I kind of wish I did. It was incredible. <laughs> uh, it was incredible because it played Danger Zone not once, not twice, <laughs> but three fucking times throughout this movie. The song Danger Zone plays over some cool footage of airplanes flying around. But So... Nashville natives, the Proto Men, who I've extolled you to go see one of their live performances, mm-hmm. they do an absolutely phenomenal live cover of Danger Zone. Okay, I'm Googling that. <laughs> You'll want to shoot down one of Dr. Wiley's robots or possibly a Russian MiG fighter, which is honestly, if we're being realistic, it's that is the more likely scenario at this point in American history. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. more likely to shoot down a Russian MiG than Dr. Wiley's robot army defending cut man's palace which i think is why they did the top gun sequel now right (laughs) because we're back to (laughs) russians they're like fuck let's get on that top gun sequel (laughs) before world war (laughs) three uh the only thing i will before i know i'm sure you'll move us on here soon but um i don't know i'm not i'm I'm a little out of practice i might let us linger (laughs) the only thing i want to get off my chest about the original top gun movie is like it is so glorified that Top that Top Gun that Tom Cruise, <laughs> aka <laughs> Top Gun himself, uh, is just a total sleaze. Like he's he's hitting on this chick in a bar, and she's uh-huh. like, "No, I don't want to date you." And he's like, "Please remember, it was the '80s." Even though Tom Cruise is one of those people who looks the same twenty five, thirty years later, he is him and Paul Giamatti. Yeah, <laughs> one of them got the short end of the stick, and the other one didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But anyway, he's like, date me. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, oh, but come on. And she's like, no, I don't want to. She's very clear, like, no. And then she's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. He follows her into the bathroom. That's so hot if you're (laughs) being followed by Tom Cruise. (laughs) 
<laughs> but if Paul Giamatti's following you into the bathroom, you are immediately calling the police. <laughs> I'm like, even by 80s standards, this is this is like she's not going to date this man. She's like, OK, maybe he'll redeem himself in my eyes, but we're not going to end up together in the end. And they, they <laughs> fucking bone. <laughs> and she's his teacher. Or like boss or whatever. I don't remember. Only, he only finds out that she's his teacher slash boss after he sings her that really slutty song in the bar. <laughs> but before they fucking that, put the you've gotta admit, though, mustard the, on the hot dog. Well, you got to put some mustard on that hot doggy. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to if you want to keep a cruise around, if you want to keep Tom Cruise loyal, you got to put some mustard on his dog every now and again. <laughs> Mr. Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> he's mr top gun whether or not you're serving up his buns you know what i mean <laughs> that's right that's right speaking of the difference between getting followed into the bathroom by tom cruise and paul giamatti um i was actually reminded of a reddit post that i considered covering for the show it was from r slash am i wrong and it was posted by user path majestic and they say Am I wrong for not lashing out at this girl for saying that I have, quote, ugly privilege? <laughs> uh, I feel like this needs to have a, like, I don't know. I we we very rarely need a picture with these Reddit posts, but uh, <laughs> but I feel like you need to show us what you look like in that. That said, user fangirl Sharice posts on r slash unpopular opinion. Ugly privilege exists and it's honestly kind of nice. So, like, I'm going to throw this out there as just kind of an ad hoc topic. Does ugly privilege does ugly privilege exist, and is it a good thing? Hmm. I feel like they need to define ugly privilege. Fangirl Sharice writes, "I'm a female in my late teens, and I've never been catcalled or harassed. I can walk around in public areas in daylight, of course. In parentheses, in, in daylight. Let's be let's be clear. I'm a." I'm a, I'm a young woman. I'm not an insane young woman. <laughs> not a woman of the night. <laughs> Certainly not. I'm not the type of person that puts myself in situations where a person with a penis might see me in less than 100% of the sun's rays. <laughs> you walk by moonlight, maybe ugly privilege, your your ugly armor does not defend you anymore. <laughs> because all those hat collars and, and scumbags out on the street, it's dark. They can't get a good look at you. They might pounce. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We all look better in the shadows. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's why I turn out the lights before I do it. Like before seduction happens, I dim the lights. That's the title of my romance slash murder mystery novel <laughs> I'm working on. <laughs> we all look better in the shadows. <laughs> well, it's funny because I just installed smart lighting in my house. And my wife's like, I don't understand why you need all this smart lighting. And it's just like dim the lights a little bit give it a slightly pink tinge to add some, just give, give myself like just a little bit of, a little bit of blush, a little <laughs> bit of color. Like I need this. Like my wife is beautiful all the time. I'm only beautiful <laughs> when I dim my lights below 35%. <laughs> you have smart lights every day is a glamor shoot. <laughs> That's it's kind of true. But anyway, so this fangirl Sharice, so, so she doesn't have to worry about being cat called or harassed. And she's 97% sure that it's because She's ugly, or at least not the normal standard of pretty. Hmm. That's a nice way of putting it. It's like, you're, you're not ugly. You're just not the normal standard of pretty. How do you feel about that? Do you, do you think that's a nice euphemism? I mean, she's applying it to herself. She's saying, I'm either ugly or I'm not the normal standard of pretty. One of those two things. If this is a thing where 
owning the honesty of where you are uh, makes you feel better about yourself, uh, then I'm all for it. Uh, I think it's sad and frustrating that women can't leave their houses often without being catcalled, but... Um, but you, you, know, you don't think Tom Cruise gets catcalled too? People are literally following him around with cameras. Uh, well, that's that's a fame thing. Like a lot, of, like Paul Giamatti only shows up in the tabloids if they circle him in the background. Like I was out here taking pictures of Tom Cruise, and oh my gosh, who's that in the background carrying a latte? That's Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Get excited! John Adams himself is here. Um, so you don't she think, also wait, you don't think Paul? Oh, Paul Giamatti has the ugly privilege, right? Yeah. Paul Giamatti has ugly privilege unless he follows somebody into a bathroom, and that's when the privilege flips. <laughs> sure, like hot sure. privilege is definitely real. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Like if you're if you are rich and good looking, you will literally get away with murder. I know. I've seen it happen on TV. <laughs> Famously and publicly. The famous privilege is another one. <laughs> <laughs> you can also get away with murder. Well, so like what's the lesson here? There's pros and cons to everything. You can there get away with murder, but like you get bothered in public everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah, she uh so you so fangirl Sharice also writes if you're not gorgeous, then people won't pay attention to you as much, and you're free to do all the stupid things you want without anyone really noticing. So ugly privilege is being able to walk into a bank, rob them, and have nobody notice. Right, right. But if Tom Cruise walks into a bank and pulls out a gun and says, give me everything in the register, and by the way, open up the vault, people are going to be like, that was Tom Cruise, definitely just robbed a bank. <laughs> and then he parachuted out of the helicopter. Tom Cruise might get away with it just because everyone involved would assume that it's part of the next the Mission, Mission Impossible. Impossible. <laughs> every time he wants to one up himself with a with a new with a new stunt, a new cool stunt, maybe the new cool stunt for the last Mission Impossible movie is he commits an actual crime on. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea. Like he's just like. Mission Impossible stunts have gotten so dangerous that Tom Cruise is having trouble one-upping himself. So the only way, the only way to step it up is to film the next Mission Impossible in a gorilla style. Hold on, I've got a motorcycle rolling by me. It's Tom Cruise pulling up to kick my ass. <laughs> He's like, I heard what you said. He's like, how dare you? <laughs> you piece of shit. You know how hard I work prop up the film industry he does have that sort of mentality yeah. like i don't know if you remember his meltdown uh when they first started shooting like right when they got the green light during covid to like you can start shooting again he had a total onset meltdown i think it was actually on the mission impossible set because he was just like do not fuck this up <laughs> <laughs> hollywood is counting on us <laughs> he also was mad that he couldn't promote uh, keep mission his impossible. wife in a cage oh <laughs> He was mad that he couldn't promote Mission Impossible when they started striking. They were yeah. like, hey, quit quit promoting your movies. He was like, I'm going to fucking do it because I'm fucking Tom Cruise or some shit. And the I mean, when you're Tom will, Cruise. will kill my wife if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another one. What it was Sherry Miskovich? The, uh, the, the leader, the current leader of Scientology's wife hasn't been seen in like 10 years. Oh, Jesus. Like, it's like a walking cooler. She got stuck in her birth unit and couldn't get out. <laughs> Uh, Tom Cruise, here's here's a scene. Tom Cruise in a producer meeting. Um, okay, so check this out. For the next Mission Impossible movie, I've got the biggest stunt yet. I've been it. keeping the leader of Scientology's wife captive for the last 10 years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, that's that's the stunt. Like, he reveals that he's been keeping 
<laughs> He's just been holding another human being prisoner in, in a basement somewhere. <laughs> yeah, he'll be okay, though. He'll be okay. But, you know, there's Tom Cruise isn't the only famous person with larger-than-life privileges. One of them is actually the subject of our next Reddit topic. This comes from r slash A-I-T-A-H, which is one of the many Am I the Asshole clones. It was submitted by user Johnny Wright Stuff. I should hire him to do more complete notes for me because he, I mean, and technically, I mean, he did write four paragraphs of supporting information on this. <laughs> so in some ways, he has done a lot of the note taking for us. Right, right. <laughs> so thank you, Johnny Wright Stuff. Salute to you. You can ride my six anytime. <laughs> He, he can write stuff for sure. He writes, am I the H, A-I-T-H, so he missed the A. You Like, am I the hole? Uh, <laughs> that's that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Which hole? <laughs> <laughs> is it a mouth hole? Is it an ear hole? Or is it an asshole? Doesn't matter. As long Doesn't as matter. As long as I'm not the hole. Is it a fistula? <laughs> Look, I don't want to be the hole here, but... <laughs> Look, look, hey, hey, buddy. <laughs> Is it a bullet hole? <laughs> All right, so am I the hole because I don't emotionally support my wife's obsession with Taylor Swift? Got reaction. Well, I guess first question is, is this a topic that you need to tread lightly on because of the Swifties in your life? Because we are, but we ourselves are both husbands who may in fact have wives who are obsessed with Taylor Swift. So are you dealing with that obsession in your home? My wife loves Taylor Swift, uh, you know, and I, I enjoy, I enjoy you feel Taylor like a third Swift. wheel sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think that my wife is totally in the same, uh, level as, um, like the thing with Johnny here is his wife went to the show, which so did mine, but she also like listens to her nonstop and she watches the concerts on TV and she, like, she, it, I feel like this is like an a twenty-four-seven obsession. Yeah, like, and and then he gets to a point towards the end of this where his wife was upset with him for not, like, he's not saying like, I hate that my wife listens to Taylor Swift. He's saying that like my wife wants me to meet to be more emotionally supportive of this <laughs> Taylor Swift <laughs> obsession, like. My wife can listen to Taylor Swift all day, but I don't I don't have to or feel the need to like be like, oh, baby, like you're doing so great. Like, I love how much Taylor Swift you're listening to. <laughs> like, like, that's absurd. Do you, do you think maybe there's a component that's missing for you to to get that level of attachment or level of support? Like, what if she were a competitive Swifty? Like she competed with other Taylor Swift fans to be more. I don't know uh, what 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 are the what are the what are the events in the uh, Swift Athlon? Swift Athlon? <laughs> well, there's definitely an era's costume contest. Like you know, okay. who's the best? Who dresses in the best? You know, summation of the era that they've been assigned or the era okay. that they've chosen. Now, right. I, I did have some friends who went to the uh, Philadelphia uh, show, and they each chose a different Taylor Swift era. Nice. Yeah, there you go. See, that that's exactly what I'm talking about. We need like that kind of deal. So who's your Taylor Swift? Who's my Taylor Swift? Yeah, who's your Taylor Swift? Like if you had to choose a Taylor Swift like figure in music to be obsessed with and Jimmy Buffett was not an option, who would it be? 
because Jimmy Buffett is no longer an option. I like I know it's only been a few days. Like he's he's probably not even in the ground yet. But all Jimmy Buffett fans are now cut off and have to find somebody new to obsess over. <laughs> and if that means that you just have to, you know, dust off your Gordon Lightfoot album, so be it. But I, I, I warn you, Gordon Lightfoot is not long for this world, especially now that Jimmy's paved the way to heaven and, 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 and proven it's possible. Because <laughs> apparently Gordon Lightfoot didn't know that you could just die. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, well, that sounds pretty good. Little known fact, Gordon Lightfoot is 400 years old. <laughs> He just didn't know you could die. <laughs> At least that, yeah. <laughs> uh, my Taylor Swift is the Gordon Lightfoot of our generation. <laughs> John Darnielle. I do like John Darnielle. Uh, my, mine is Connor Oberst. Uh, okay. I'm a big Bright Eyes fan. Love his lyrics. I think he's just... I think they're definitely lyrics. in the same vein. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like storytellers through music and mm-hmm. whatnot. Connor's very doom and gloom. Yeah. Every other song on every record is about the end of the world, whether or whether or not the <laughs> world is going to end tomorrow. <laughs> it ends every day in Connor Ober's life. It pretty much does. I just hope Gordon Lightfoot doesn't find out that the world could end because he may choose to end it. <laughs> <laughs> he sees the open gates and he's about to just walk right through. Gordon them. Gordon Lightfoot is a pseudonym for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I would No, I, I I I chose I I choose John Darnielle for a lot of the same reasons that you choose Connor Oberst. I think he is an absolutely incredible thinker and poet, but I think what sets them apart is Connor has done more for music in the sense that he has his own record label and he he helps other artists find their footing yeah. in a way that I don't think John Darnielle does. But John Darnielle also expands himself outside of the realm of music, and he's a successful author. I don't know if you've read any of his books, but they're oh absolutely- yeah, I'm reading uh, Death House right now. There you go. I've only read uh, Wolf and White Man, and I've had Universal Harvester sitting on the uh, shelf for an embarrassingly long time. And as soon as I get done reading What We Owe the Future, uh, which is a philosophical text about long termism, mm. when I do eventually in the far flung future, I owe the future reading that book. <laughs> That's what I owe the future is finishing this book. So I know what the fuck it's about. So I, I think John Darnielle is one of those multi-talented people where he's going beyond just the medium that he's in. Whereas Connor Oberst is definitely inside of the medium and doing amazing things. Yeah. I, I respect John Darnielle because of his just pure, like being so prolific. Um, I love that he can write a story about like any person in the world. Like, yes. Like his, his songs are like, it's wild that he can put himself on in any perspective. And actually, shit, I didn't even know, notice this until now. But I'm wearing, oh, <laughs> I'm wearing a Mountain Goats shirt. Yeah, that was four albums ago, and it was 2018, I think. <laughs> Dude, okay, yeah. So I bought this shirt at a show at a Mountain Goat show, and what amazed me about that show is that uh, you know I went fully knowing I wouldn't know a lot of the songs because he make put puts out so many records. It's just impossible to keep up. Right. And I went and I first of all, I did know most of the songs because like, you know, he's good about playing the the ones that people Mm -hmm. know. But also like when he played anything off of any new record that I didn't know, the whole audience knew every word. I was like, how? How do you people do this? (laughs) He puts out amazing albums and he only and thing is, like his secret is he only plays like the best three songs off of each album. Sure. So I saw him over the summer in Harrisburg. He's touring on the new Bleed Out album, which is absolutely phenomenal. I got the the 
the big track on that album, the chorus in it is wage war, get rich, die handsome. So I've got that t-shirt. <laughs> That's amazing. I also saw them while they were touring on the goths album, mm-hmm. which was another amazing album. I did like that one. That's the last one I think that I've listened to fully. Yeah. And I've listened to that one many times, but the bleed out album, I highly recommend. It's like almost like a noir detective story. Awesome. So uh, who cares about Taylor Swift, I guess, is what we're saying here. We just talked about John Darnell and Connor Oberst for 15 minutes, and we did not address this. Um, are the, you the, the asshole women everywhere are rolling their eyes at us right now. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is just as big a fan of the Mountain Goats as I am. She actually, nice. unlike me, she actually has a Mountain Goats tattoo. Hmm, wow. Although I do have two. So that's that's not necessarily true. So she has a Mountain Goats tattoo on her foot that says, just stay alive. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that's which good. is yeah that's from uh up the wolves that's one of my wait okay never mind i'm thinking of what was the one with transcendental youth uh transcendental youth is the album oh that's the album title yeah i like that record i think it's one of his most underrated one you know because uh, that's Sunset probably my Tree favorite and tallahassee these all get like you know attention uh but that record was so good mm-hmm. transcendental youth Anyway. I have a I have a couple tattoos that are mountain goats themed, and it's actually from the B sides of Transcendental Youth. Uh, there is a song called "Steel Smoked Fish," and there's a line in it that goes, "Feast when you can, and dream when there's nothing to feast on." So I've I've got That's two awesome. tattoos towards this, and I, I need to finish it, but I don't know if you can see that. So I've got this guy right here. It's a mountain goat eating a tin can or a beer can, really, because at the time I was working in breweries. Nice. And that's the feast when you can. Ha ha ha. Right. And then right there on the other side is the same like mirror image, but it is the goat skull with like poppies coming up or, or not poppies, but daisies popping up through it. And that's the dream can. when there's nothing to feast on part. Yeah. So cool. someday I will have a mountain goats tattoo that is super sweet. I just have to link them together. I think that counts. I mean, honestly, I think I would I would count. There that. are two mountain goats on my body. Just no lyrics. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so how many Taylor Swift tattoos do you have? And if you were going to get a Taylor Swift tattoo, what would it be? I have a friend that is in love with Taylor Swift and he's married. Actually, his wife is probably a better friend to me than, than he is. I know her better that piece of shit. And oh, I've go known, on. I've known her for, no, not, not that he's not a good friend. It's just that I know I've known her for longer, but he's got like a Taylor Swift, uh, portrait because he's okay. in love with her. And like, he's like, he's like, one day I will meet her. Not only does he sound like a terrible friend, he's also a terrible boyfriend. He's in love with Taylor Swift. <laughs> well, you know, I think she has come to terms with it's like a <laughs> um what do they call it? Does she support his emotional obsession with Taylor Swift? <laughs> well, you go that and that goes back to my answer. You don't have to. You don't have to emotionally support your your partner's <laughs> fandom. I don't expect my wife to emotionally support my Connor Oberst fandom. Yeah. I think it's great that she loves Taylor Swift. I like a lot of Taylor Swift songs, you know, and I think my friend is exactly as supportive of her husband's Taylor Swift uh, obsession as she should be. Okay. So in the original post, which we have not talked much about at all, he does. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to read a little excerpt. So he says, recently she blew up on me about how I don't support her as much as she thinks I should with her Taylor Swift lifestyle. She cites comments I make implying it's a cult, and the only one winning here is Taylor Swift raking in the dough, and maybe it's time to focus on other things. She wants me to stop making comments like that and stop rolling my eyes and be supportive of her and her interests. 
But from my perspective, it's really taking over her life. And that just can't be healthy to obsess over things like that. So in this case, he feels that her Taylor Swift, her, her swifting, her swifting becoming a problem. Her swiftiness is becoming a real issue here because she's spending a she's spending a ton of money on the tour to, uh, on the Era Tours tickets, which you know if it's if it really is a kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity, I, I don't begrudge I don't begrudge anybody spending a lot of money on a stupid little thing because that stupid little thing might be kind of important and you know it's something that you'll remember and if it's important to you emotionally, it's something that's going to stick and I'm I'm fine with that. I support it monetarily as long as your your relationship can handle the financial strain of being a swifty. And he mentions that in there. He was like, he was like, it was a lot of money, but I, you know, in the end, I didn't say, you know, I let like, like she did it. So, and I, you know, I'm happy that she had the experience. So he, he mentions yeah. that for sure. It sounds to me like he is being emotionally supportive of her, but she may be taking advantage of that emotional support and making demands beyond what he is willing to give her. Right. Um, now that being said, I think, I think she might be right. Huh? I think she might be right. Like he needs to just let her have her obsession and stop making yeah, the comments. Like what? The, who? Who the fuck cares? She she listens to Taylor Swift all the time. Yeah. If he if he's not mad about the price of the concert tickets, and the only thing that he is really upset about is that it's Taylor Swift twenty four seven. Taylor Swift has an eras tour. There are multiple eras of Taylor Swift. So it's not like he's listening to the same song over and over again. Sounds to me like he just needs to shake it off. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think that he's an asshole. I think he is expressing a genuine irritation, a genuine irritation with being inundated with Taylor Swift. But that said, I don't think she's doing anything wrong either. And if he's just going to, you know, and you know, maybe she is in a little bit of a cult. That's okay. It's working for Tom Cruise. (laughs) 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 Is is being a cult really the worst thing in the world? And, and, and if you have to choose a cult for your spouse to be in, I would choose the Taylor Swift cult over most other cults. I'm not saying all cults because it's like the Oneida silverware cult like that, that one. Are, are you aware of that? Did you know that? Have you ever seen like Oneida Silverware? O-N-E-I-D-A? No, I have no idea. What is this? So they're a silverware company that started off as a sex cult. What? <laughs> okay. So this is, this is where I flex my 19th century religious movement knowledges. During the Great Awakening in upstate New York, there were a bunch of religious movements that popped up. So you've got the rise of Methodism. You've got Seventh-day Adventists, Mormons shakers uh there's so there's all these like american christian revival movements christian science is kind of in that time frame too one of those groups that moved out into the middle of the woods was the oneida group and they started off as a religious communal where the leader of the cult took certain sexual liberties with the female members of the cult and maybe pushed some of the male cult members out of the cult like this is a really common thing that happens but yeah anyway that 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 community lived on and continues to this day but is currently incorporated as the oneida silverware company (laughs) 
That's <laughs> so wild. think about think about that next time you're putting something in your mouth. Next time you're getting forked in the mouth, <laughs> think about all those 19th century boning that led to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going to say that nobody's the asshole here. Just, you know. Nobody's the whole. Nobody is the whole here. <laughs> we don't know nobody's which a whole. whole. Nobody's a whole whole. I don't even think anybody is half of a whole. This is uh, like this as transitions go, this is going to be a poor transition. Um, but I think both of us are fairly fed up with Elon Musk. And I know I keep saying like I, I've recorded this is the third episode I've recorded this week. And I'm trying to play catch up and trying to get ahead of the game um, because some things in my home life have changed that have made it more a little bit more difficult to record. Hmm. But I've had a lot to say about Elon Musk on the show this year <laughs> because he is a genuinely awful person. On top of being a billionaire, which is also super suspect in its own right, because I, I think there's generally speaking, there is something uh, psychologically wrong with billionaires. Like nobody needs that much money. And anybody right. who's holding on to that much money is doing so because there's something missing inside of their soul. Yeah. So that being said, my Twitter clone of choice is Blue Sky. Nice. And this is the first topic coming to us courtesy of Blue Sky. Oh. So Jenny Kermode, also known as at Jenny Kermode dot bsky dot social on Blue Sky. It's way easier when you register things to your own, own, own name. So I'm at Wreck Your Pod and you are at ianmalden.com, right? Uh, Jenny writes, I'm told that it's safe for those of us with lactose intolerance to drink the milk of marine mammals. Which utilizes a different protein in order to keep it from dissipating too easily into the water. So I, I went ahead and I looked into this claim. Whale milk, like most marine mammals, is extremely high in fats, proteins, and vitamins. It is, as the post suggests, lactose-free, meaning it's unlikely to trigger an allergic reaction for those with lactose intolerance. Mm. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it already sounds amazing. Like, there's nothing I want more than briny milk. <laughs> well, have you ever had Iron? Uh-uh. So, Iron is a type of salty yogurt beverage popular in Turkey. Okay. It is, and I say this as a connoisseur of extreme foods, fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I like a lot of things. Yeah. And I like things that are a little bit out there, but Iron is, I, I have not run into an Iron. It's like a, like, have you had a Lassie? Like uh, at yeah. an Indian restaurant? Yeah, yeah, it's I like love- a Lassie, but instead of being sweet, it's salty. Ooh, well, that's ironic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine that's what whale milk tastes like. <laughs> um, it's exactly, actually, they didn't tell you this, but that is what Iron is. It is just, <laughs> just whale, whale milk. <laughs> They're like, it's way easier than making yogurt and insulting the yogurt. You just milk a whale. You grab a dolphin by the nipples and then you you, you squeeze it out. So whale milk consumption is a thing that does occur in some communities. For some groups, it's a, a tradition. I, I breezed through this research a little bit, so I'm not going to lie. So I, I can't name any specific uh, groups that drink whale milk, but I suspect it's probably, you know, when you get up into the Arctic where sure. you have a limited number of resources. And I do know that whaling is certainly something that uh, Inuits and other Alaskan native groups uh, and, and Pacific tribes in the Northwest uh, engaged in. So it seems reasonable that they would have access to that product. Yeah. 
And then in some cases, there might be availability of alternatives. So, you know, people living in really remote, uh, remote environments, you know, we, there's this sort of stereotype that plays into they call it the noble savage stereotype where they're like, oh, they use the whole buffalo type of thing. And, uh, you know, there is some truth to that. When you have a limited number of resources, you make sure that every resource is used to its maximum potential. But it is worth noting before you lactose intolerant listeners run out there and grab a gallon of fucking whale milk. <laughs> uh, what do you think? What do you think a gallon of whale milk will cost you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like $87. Hold on. Let's, let's, we're going to ask Google whale milk. I'm just going to Google whale milk and click on shopping. Cow milk is affordable because of the fucking horrible dairy industry and how many cows are mass fucking milked out there. <laughs> so there's no, there's no like whale milk industry. Yeah. And, and cow milk is heavily subsidized by the government because we produce more milk than we actually need. There's not like there's a hole in the market just waiting to be filled with whale milk. Yeah. We have so much milk that it's like, and I think we talked about it on the show already. We've talked a little bit about the United States Strategic Cheese Reserve, mm. which gets into whole things like government cheese. So basically what happens is a lot of our dairy that is going unused gets processed into cheese and cheese powder. Hell yeah. Because the government, uh, and then stored in a secret vault, and then they disperse it. <laughs> to various community programs o- over time. So like government cheese is a real thing. Sure. So that being said, I am finding nothing. I found milk chocolate in the shape of whales, <laughs> but I have not found milk chocolate made from whale milk. Which speaking of, am I the whole, which hole does it come out of the blow hole? No, whale no the blow hole is a respiratory <laughs> orifice. Get out of here with your facts. I want you to tell me <laughs> that the whale milk comes out of the hole. The whale the nipples. Hole. It's the whale nipples. <laughs> so, so you're, you're you're thinking here is that to harvest whale milk, which honestly would be a pretty humane way to do it, would be you wait for the whale to surface and it explodes its milk out, and then you ooh, catch ooh. it in a cup. Yeah, you just hold, <laughs> like maybe you hold a bucket over your head and you just catch all that whale milk, all that chunky whale milk. And your cup already has some Ovaltine at the bottom. So <laughs> as soon as it lands in there, it already mixes up just a little bit. Just naturally. a nice warm, yeah. briny glass of chocolate Ovaltine made with whale milk. <laughs> it's hot chocolate at that point. <laughs> it's lukewarm chocolate. <laughs> Which up in the Arctic, you know, that's what you need to survive. There's hot no other enough way. milk. How about that? <laughs> There's um, no, so no there, other there, way for warmth than <laughs> randomly harvesting whale milk. Not that there's anybody out there actually selling whale milk commercially, but if you find yourself in a position to consume whale milk, you might want to take pause because scientists warn against consumption of whale milk due to the possible presence of toxins, heavy metals, and microplastics. I don't know if you've heard about all the plastic in the ocean. Some of that plastic works its way into whales and then, and then from there into the milk. So don't drink whale milk because it's our fault. <laughs> kind of, yeah. We God. fucked up the way. Like, whale milk used to be such a great source of everything, <laughs> and then we've ruined it. Uh, but then again, they also recommend not drinking raw milk either. So maybe if you pasteurized it and you, I don't know, decontaminated it, like you, you take a, your, your Radex pack from Fallout and you can drink <laughs> your whale milk. It's also worth noting that some whale milk may actually be too good for you. Whoa. 
there's a lot of things that are too good for you. And here's one of them. Dear listeners, you piece of shit. Broccoli. So some species have extremely high concentrations of vitamin A in their liver, which can end up in the milk. And that can make a person ill. Fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A can lead to toxicity because your body doesn't excrete any excess. It stores it, which Mm. means it can build up in your body. Acute vitamin A toxicity happens when somebody ingests a mega dose of vitamin A. And the symptoms can include headache, rash, peeling skin, drowsiness, irritability, stomach pain, nausea, vomiting. In, In the case of acute toxicity, the symptoms should resolve over time. But it doesn't hurt to call poison control in the hospital, go to the emergency room, that sort of thing. Like if you drink it, like if you just go fucking ham on a on a glass of whale milk and you start feeling icky uh, in your tum tum, you might have vitamin A toxicity. And if you consume whale milk every single day, you can actually get chronic vitamin A toxicity, which is when it builds up in your body over time. And again, uh, this this gets into headaches. Um, it can cause pressure in your skull, intracranial hypertension. Hair issues like sparse or coarse hair or alopecia of your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> so if you drink enough whale milk, you may slowly turn into a hairless aquatic mammal. <laughs> so um, transform into a whale <laughs> slowly. You get skin issues like dry, rough, itchy skin and cracked lips, which just sounds like maybe you're out of your natural environment. <laughs> like, what's the best cure for dry, itchy skin and cracked lips. Moisture. Moisture. Moisture for sure. You know where you can find a lot of moisture? The fucking ocean. Well, and and that pressure in the head thing you were talking about. You just got a little trepanation right there. Yeah, you need to put a hole right in the top of your head. Right in the top of your head. (laughs) So you could just squirt that whale milk all over the place. And it can also cause an enlarged liver or spleen. Enlarged liver where vitamin A accumulates. <laughs> You're becoming larger You're in general. You're becoming a whale. Like a whale. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a potion. Whale milk is a magic <laughs> potion is what you're telling me. That will slowly turn you into a whale. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's the most terrible and amazing were creature I've ever conceived in my brain. Uh. Uh, so, I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> when the moon shines. <laughs> and hits your eye like a big pizza pie. That's a cetacean. <laughs> they, they did have a lot of species-specific guidelines when I looked at this, uh, but I kind of glossed over that because really what we're talking about is marine mammals in general. Mm-hmm. They did note that the killer whale has the closest of all the of all the whale species whose milk has been tasted by the sweet lips of science <laughs> the killer whale or the orca has the milk composition closest to human hmm. and is generally considered to be safer for humans to drink than the milk of other cetaceans i do feel like a whale most days you know what um i feel that intensely <laughs> I feel like there's probably a joke surrounding that movie, <laughs> The Whale, but I didn't see it. So, <laughs> oh, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, it's Brendan Fraser. Uh, what a I'm, what a great I'm, guy. I'm happy for Brendan Fraser, but I I didn't see the movie for whatever reason. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's good. I'm I'm just a little offended because they didn't find an actual fat person to play the whale. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. Brendan Fraser has put on somebody. He's like one of those people who has clearly aged the 25 years that he's aged since making like Georgia the Jungle. Yeah, yeah. But I think he still looks good. Like he's still he's still a handsome man who is like who is aged appropriately. He's not like a Rob Lowe or. Yeah. Keanu Reeves or Keanu Reeves. One of those guys who's just like, I'm just going to be beautiful forever. A Jared Leto, like Jared Leto. A Paul Giamatti. Or a Paul or sexy fucking Paul Giamatti. (laughs) (laughs) I mostly didn't see the whale because I thought it was weird that the plot synopsis mentioned that he just drank so much whale milk that he started to transform (laughs) into a whale. (laughs) I was like, this is a little too too out there for me. (laughs) You know, what's really interesting though, is that Brandon, Brendan Fraser, uh, Normally, he considers himself to be a character actor. You know, he does he does the character research, and then it's a, an act of mimicry. But for this role, he decided to do a method approach, and he actually did transform his body through drinking whale milk. <laughs> uh, this is a case of life imitating art, and if there's any art worth imitating, it is the music of Rick Reynolds, who has been kind enough to allow us the use of his song "United" from the album "Portals and Progress," which you can find on Amazon, iTunes, and Spotify. Currently, um, I know I've mentioned this in every episode I've recorded this weekend, but it bears hearing again because you, dear listener, are listening to this at least a week apart. Um, So just a reminder, go to YouTube, look up uh, Rick Reynolds' video series. He documented his time on the road with Tantric on the New Metal Tour. And it's a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes footage, tour bus footage, and even a few uh, fistfights and brawls at some of the venues that they were at. Uh, presumably it's a new metal tour. So everybody fist fighting and brawling is between the ages of 37 and 57. <laughs> they are people who are going to go home and explain to their wives why their obsession with tantric has caused them to have a black eye. <laughs> why and- aren't you emotionally supporting my obsession with tantric? <laughs> because you have a black eye. <laughs> I- What's really messed up is she was also at the show and she's the one that punched him (laughs) because she was more of a days of the new fan, which if you don't know, they were another band that broke up and reformed as tantric with a different lead singer. They pulled a uh, rage against the machine audio slave mix up. Hell yeah. And that's, that's anyway, neither here nor there. Go listen to Rick Reynolds. Uh, Ian, would you care to share any of your social media? (laughs) Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm Ian Malden. You can find me. We lied to you. Uh, you can find me on blue sky at maudlingames.com because you can make your handle a website on blue sky. So That's it's true. M- M-A-U-D-L-I-N games.com. You can find me on social medias at Shrip and crits. You can find our podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we're an actual play with a Southern twist. So I'm actually a little upset with you, uh, for naming your, ga- uh, your, 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 your game LLC design, whatever uh, modeling games. Cause you've spelled your own name wrong. Right. <laughs> and that's a huge problem for me. <laughs> you know, I imagine it will be a huge problem for marketing my business someday, but you know, that's it right. is what it is. Or you could just change your name to modeling. I'm Ian modeling. And if you're not emotionally supportive of that, you can't be my <laughs> wife. Uh, when you got married, you, you got married fairly recently. In, in my marriage, we did not change anybody's names because that sounded like a lot more paperwork than we were willing to do. Did your wife take your name or did you take your wife's name? I'm only asking because if she has taken your name and then you choose to change your name, is she going to have to change her name again? She kept her name. Oh, that's good. You can you can go fucking nuts. She will be emotionally supportive of your 
modeling games lifestyle. I can be Ian Bing Bong if I want to. You know, it doesn't, <laughs> fuck, it doesn't fucking matter. She does. She doesn't. Ha- as long as she doesn't have to be Mrs. Ian Bing Bong. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. You can find me at uh, at Ian Bing Bong. <laughs> God, I'm gonna do that. You can just make your name whatever. I didn't yes. even. This never occurred to me. Yeah, the world is your oyster, man. Like, do you think Tom Cruise's real name is Tom Cruise? No, it's Tom Top Gun Cruise. <laughs> it's Tom. Do you think he was born Tom Top Gun Cruise? No, he named himself Tom Top Gun Cruise. <laughs> like, he's just named after a fucking missile or things you do in cool cars. No, he changed his name to that. His real name is like Tom Schweitzer or Tom, like something dumb. Tom Thompson. <laughs> you know who definitely obviously kept their real name? Paul Giamatti. <laughs> that's a fucking regular guy name. That's, that's not, not a, a regular guy name. name. That's a that's a that's a mafia enforcer name. <laughs> it's definitely not an actor name. No, no, no. He he. I'm glad he escaped his ties with the mob to become a well-respected American actor. <laughs> Unlike Steven Seagal, who failed to escape his ties to the mob. <laughs> And mostly became an American embarrassment. We could do an entire episode about what a big piece of shit Steven Seagal is. Yep. And that starts now. <laughs> and that starts right now. We're, we're, I know you thought we were at the end of the episode, but this is actually the beginning of the next episode. What you witnessed there, when, when he said Ian Bing Bong, that's actually the, the transition point between the current episode and the next episode. And we are now actually in the next episode. It's like when you're on like a streaming service and they just autoplay. They start playing the next episode before the credits even finish. Like, you are not getting out of Jersey Shore that easily. (laughs) Family Vacation, by the way, I've watched everything else. I'm waiting for new Family Vacation to come out because I'm a huge fan of Jersey Shore as a uh, socio. I I have a purely academic sociological interest in what's going on on Jersey Shore. Sure, sure. You just keep telling yourself that. And I will keep telling myself that and I'll keep telling my audience that. And I think you should be more emotionally supportive of my love of Jersey Shore. (laughs) When I start telling you about DJ Poly D, I don't want you to roll your eyes <laughs> and tell me that it's all a big scam and that the situation deserves to be in prison for uh, for avoiding his taxes. <laughs> I don't want you to tell me that Ronnie does have a severe alcohol problem and is constantly in abusive relationships where he is either the abuser or the abusee. <laughs> I don't need you to tell me that Snooky is smarter than all of them. I know. <laughs> I know. Actually, I think. I think uh, DJ Polly D is probably the brains in that operation. He is the most successful career wise. Yeah, fair enough. He's he's the one that I know the name of. There's Snooky, J. Wow, Vinny, this Mike, the situation, mm. Sorrentino, mm-hmm. another another great Italian American mafia name. Um, <laughs> and I can say that because my last name's Blachetti. If you say it, it's offensive. <laughs> sure. I did watch the entirety of The Sopranos recently, so I feel like I am just... You're basically... I have just as much an authority as you are. No, 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 no. You have to eat a gabagool sandwich, and then once your breath has that gabagool stank on it, we can talk. Which, for those of you who don't speak American Italian, that is capicola. Capicola, yeah. (laughs) See, I passed the test. Don't be such a Stugatz. <laughs> um, and that's where you can find me on Blue Sky at Stugatz. <laughs> uh, no, you can find me on Blue Sky at WreckYourPod.com. You can find us at WreckYourPod on most other social media platforms. Uh, notably, you will find us on 
the artist formerly known as Twitter X, but we are only there as an observ as an observational account. We're like, and this is Ian's not a Star Trek guy, but for those of you who know what the Prime Directive is, it's like when you go and you are observing a pre warp civilization. So you set up like a holographic screen so that you can see from a distance. That's what I. That's my presence on X. I'm behind a holographic screen so that I don't accidentally corrupt the pre warp civilization <laughs> that I'm observing. And that is a very, very specific and tortured metaphor, and I apologize. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it, torture is definitely not compatible with the Prime Directive. <laughs> you can also find us on Gmail, wreckyourpod at gmail.com. Send us your questions, comments, concerns, scientific surveys, and topics. You can donate to our Patreon at www.fondlemelobster.com, which is um, a completely original and not based on anybody else's Patreon address. <laughs> and you you can you can promote your Patreon too here if you want. My Patreon can be found uh by going to fondofmelobster.com. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, uh Patreon uh, end user license agreement requires everybody to do something to a lobster in their address. That's just <laughs> Yeah, otherwise you only get 75% of your earnings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just if you want to give me your money, you can give me your money. If you don't want to give me your money, you don't have to give me your money. Just keep listening. It makes me feel good in, uh, on my inside. So if between now and next week, somebody's giving you shit about listening to this podcast, I want you to look them dead in the fucking eye and say, you need to be emotion more emotionally supportive <laughs> of my don't wreck yourself lifestyle. Yes. And you need to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart.